Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. We're glad to have you here with us tonight. Susan Weed will be answering questions. I see a lot of you in the room and she'll be arriving soon. I wanted to take a minute to tell you about her book, Abundantly Well, due out um, either November 15th or December 1st, depending on how the printing is going. And we're very excited about that new book coming out and I know that you are too. It's the sixth in the Wise Woman Herbal Series, and this book is for everyone, Abundantly Well, Seven Medicines. So much looking forward to that. We also have some work exchange exchange weekends coming up in uh, November, and I believe there's one in December as well. So if you wanted to come to the Wise Woman Center and get to meet, Susan, and do some volunteer work in exchange for credits for workshops or books. We would be glad to have you come. You can send us an email at wisewoman@herbshealing.com. Also, if you haven't been to Wise Woman Mentor, you can go to Wise Woman Mentor. That's where we archive all of the e-zines and lots of other articles and guest artists and other very interesting things from our weekly e-zine and uh, information, special information from Susan that you can't get anywhere else. We've also just launched the Wise Woman School, which is a completely online learning uh, institute. And it's a non-credit, obviously. You just come in and you study at your own pace. All of the courses consist of short videos that are very engaging and easy to consume in small bites. Everything by Susan Weed. Come and visit us at wisewomanschool.com. And um, I think we're going to get going here. I see there's a lot of people in the room. I'm going to open up the line for um, the person in the 702 area who called in uh, quite early. Are you on the line now? Yes, I am. Hi, how are you tonight? I'm good, thank you. Wonderful. So we're waiting for Susan to arrive. She was a little bit delayed, but she'll be coming in just a minute or two. So what I see that you called in quite early and you are first in the queue. There's a lot of people here tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, I tried last week, but was entered too late, so I wanted to get ahead. Well, you did a good job. You're number one in the line here. So it was just as soon as Susan gets on the line, we'll 
open it up, and then you can ask her your question. Um, how do you Wonderful. know Susan Weed? Um, a good friend of mine who's an herbalist um, is familiar and studied with her, uh, went to a workshop, I, I think, 20 years ago. And so it's really resonated with me, and I started working with the herbal infusions and have had some things come up and would really value her input. Great. Wonderful. Okay, everybody, just hang on a minute. We're going to just go on the back end here and see what's going on with Susan Weed. It's very unusual that she um, is late. She's usually uh, quite prompt. Maybe I'll put on a little song for you, see if I can do that. Okay, here, how about this one? Susan, what time is it? It's time. It's time? It's time. Time to be the I'm not sure why you couldn't get me, but here we are. Hurrah. That was a great song. Yay. Okay. Yay. The line is open, so you can talk to Susan. You have to Hi, press. Susan. Hey, there you go. How are you tonight? Very well. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, so I um, have recently uh, was uh, someone turned me on to your work, and it's really resonated with me, but I'm a little bit newer Um into some of the herbal world. And I recently, um, I had developed some skin lesions on my chest and my upper lip that were um, dry and scaly, uh, discolored, would crack, and would wax and wane. And I did get an opinion from a dermatologist who diagnosed it as actinic keratosis, which is a pre, potentially pre-squamous cell lesion. And I did have a basal cell lesion removed about 15 years ago. I wasn't um, very enthused by any of the options uh, that she presented, and so I'm really interested in any suggestions you might have for treating that. I'm being very cautious about sun exposure and stepping up preventative uh, for any further occurrence or worsening, um, but I'm wondering about your take on treating this. I'm a little unclear as to what it actually is. Maybe you said and I just didn't understand. There's it's a scaly a- patch on your chest. I have several. Um, they're very small lesions. I would say about a half an inch each. Um, I probably have four or five on my chest and um, sort of like three continuous little ones on my upper lip. And she diagnosed this as pre-cancer? Yes, as actinic keratosis. I don't know what actinic keratosis is. Yes, Keratin is something in your skin. Actinic keratosis makes... is a, it's a pre-squamous cell, potentially about 10% of them from the research I did turn uh-huh. into 
squam full squamous cell lesions. But what I read said that almost all squamous cell lesions begin as actinic keratosis. But it's certainly not a guarantee. All right. So you have three lesions, each about half an inch big, on your chest, and a series of small ones linked together on your lip that have been diagnosed biopsied. Yes? No, they do it visually. And visually, it's been diagnosed as actinic keratosis. Correct. And their take on it is there's a 10% chance this will turn into cancer, so we might as well just go to surgery right now. Well, they rec she, I thought it was sort of a worse recommendation. She recommended a topical chemotherapy that essentially eats away. I mean, I would never do it, but essentially eats away the top layers of the skin, you know, to a point where it's clear. Uh-huh. Uh, tens of thousands of women have uh, peels. Yep. So it's very similar to a peel, what she's suggesting. You are exactly correct, and um, I did I did actually do some reading on that. It is very similar, and some people can use the peels as a treatment. Not all of the cases, but some do. Right. Which is pretty severe, but not impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, the peel is not a chemotherapy. When she says chemotherapy, what does she mean by chemotherapy? Uh Right. She's talking about 5-fluorophyll, which is an actual chemotherapy agent. That and, was but it's applied topically. Than, correct. She didn't offer me the peel. I did research on my own that the peel could be an option. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Let me ask you this. Are you currently drinking nourishing herbal infusions? I have just started working with them. So I started with nettle, and then I just recently began with oat straw. Okay. Um, but and, I'm very new. Uh, but, but I'm very new to it. I would especially like to see you drinking Comfrey, and I would especially like to see you drinking Linden. Okay. So when you say you started with nettle, was this just a matter of convenience? Um, you know, it, it was uh, – I have some allergies and had – you know, it, it was a matter of convenience what was available, what I had read. Um, but again, I'm very new, so open to any any guidance. Rotate the five of them. Okay. They're not designed to have, be the same one taken every day. And should I rotate them? Um, like, it usually takes me about two days to finish a batch, so every two days I could rotate. You drink about two cups a day. Right. And one what else are you drinking? Um, water, which I recently heard. Uh, you please, speak about. please stop now. Yes, yeah, I just recently learned that from you. Uh, okay, on a good. Recent, one of your recent shows. Replace yeah. like that water said, with infusion. So just drink, just make more infusion. I'm not sure why you would have to make more if you're only drinking half of it in any one day, anyhow. Okay, so two cups of infusion is adequate fluid intake. I'm not sure why you're not drinking the entire quart. What I suggest is a quart of infusion a day. Okay. Is there some reason you're not drinking the whole quart? 
No, just because I'm just learning. I absolutely can do that. Okay, that is ideal to drink a quart of infusion a day. If, you know, that doesn't work out for you, certainly people have gotten results, but they're slower and more difficult to to stabilize. A quart of day is a good amount, and that's about the amount of fluid that most people need. So they don't need any water or any other particular fluid if you want a cup of tea, especially green tea or coffee. Those are also herbs, and you can certainly add that along with your quart of infusion. Okay, I can do that. Okay, and can you tell me a little bit about your diet? Um, My diet is varied. I'm not a vegetarian, but when I eat meat, I try to eat healthy, lean meat, um, mostly raw or steamed vegetables. Uh, there's, There's a big problem right there. Okay. There's no nutrition of any kind available in raw or steamed vegetables. You might as well put them under your pillow and sleep with them. Okay, what do you recommend? I recommend cooking all vegetables generally for an hour. Okay. The longer you cook a plant, the more nutrition you will get out of it. Okay, so steaming or boiling or bake any type of cooking, roasting, as long as it's prolonged? Yes. You can tell when the nutrients are available from a cooked plant because it is soft and tender. Okay. So if you bite raw broccoli, what happens? It crunches. Crunches, correct. No nutrition. Okay. When you steam broccoli, does it crunch? Not if you steam it well. But the way you've been steaming it? Um, slightly. Yeah, no crunch. Yeah, yeah slightly. Right. Yeah. So steam that broccoli for longer than you think it should be cooked. Okay. Really, test, really test it with a fork. There should be no resistance of any kind. The broccoli should practically fall apart when you pick it up out of the pan. Okay. I usually use about one inch of water to cook things. Certainly you can steam if you want to, but when you use an inch of water to cook things, all of the B vitamins that are in the food go into the water, and then the water is evaporated, so the B vitamins are right there with the food, whereas when you steam things, the B vitamins Mm. go into Steaming water, and most people throw the steaming water away. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. That's excellent advice. Thank you. Yeah. So um, I would put whole carrots without cutting them into a pan. They contain an anti-cancer substance called uh, falcarinol that bleeds out when the carrot is cut. So okay. I don't cut it. I take the whole entire carrot, put it in a pan, Just barely cover it with water. Cook it for an hour to an hour and 20 minutes. And by that point, most of the water has evaporated. The carrots are ready to eat, and any water that's left over is very tasty, and you can drink it. Okay. Very good. Thank you. Things like kale, collards, usually I cut into bite-sized pieces, put an inch of water in the pan, and cook the kale or the collards until it shrinks down in the pan and then turn the fire down and cook it for at least an hour. If I have time, two or three hours is better. Okay. New recipes. I enjoy that. Thank you. Yeah. 
So this will start to get some nutrition. One of the things that's happening is that you're not getting very much nutrition. Okay. The nourishing herbal infusions provide nutrition that your body literally doesn't have to work to get it in a way it's pre-digested, so it goes right in. Uh, but that's because we have dried the plant and then steeped it for four hours. What kind of scale are you using? Um, I just ordered, because um, I'm new at this, the food scale. Before that, I was um, measuring, but I just ordered it to be able to measure out that ounce and be more exact. Right, because it's not a measure. Right. It's a weight. It's a weight. Yeah. It's a weight. So if you don't have a scale, you're not actually making infusion. Right. Oh. I'm so glad you ordered a scale. So that will that yeah. will be but many times what I find is that people who are dealing with skin issues do not have enough fat in their diet. So you might want to look at the fat possible. in your diet and if you're actually mm-hmm. getting enough fat that would include eggs, full fat dairy, yogurt, cheese. These are some of the very best foods for longevity and good health. Yeah, I think I could I would I could use to step that up for certain. Yeah. Yeah, so more yeah. eggs and again, you go you're right on, get good quality, you know, free range organic eggs, the best eggs that you can get. Um the same thing, get organic, you know, but full fat dairy, organic mm-hmm. butter and so on. Okay. Those are good suggestions. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You Would you do anything are welcome just- in terms of uh, making sure that a precancer doesn't progress. There's nothing better than medicinal mushrooms. Okay. In fact, all mushrooms are medicinal mushrooms, but we usually say medicinal mushrooms to talk about mushrooms that you're probably not just going to cut up and eat, but that you're probably going to take as a tincture or as a powder. There are two suppliers of medicinal mushrooms in the United States, fungi perfecti and real mushrooms. Okay. And to both prevent metastasis in a cancer diagnosis or to prevent progression to cancer in a precancer diagnosis, some mushroom product that contains a large number of different mushrooms, five or more. So real mushrooms has five defenders, and fungi perfecti has my community, which has about 20 mushrooms in it. So if we study maitake and we say, wow, maitake reduces uh, the risk of a precancer going on to cancer by X amount, and then we study shiitake, and it also reduces the risk of a precancer going on to cancer by a Y amount, then combining shiitake and maitake does not give you X plus Y, but it gives you X plus Y plus something yet again. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So mushrooms work very synergistically together. And for the kind of thing that you are concerned with, um, that would probably be um, what I would consider a kind of insurance. Excellent. All right. Thank you so very much. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Green blessings. Thank you. Okay. In um, five, one, 
Oh, area, you're on the line. $13. Hello. October 20th. Can you hear me? Hi. Hi. My name is Rebecca. Um, I'm so grateful to be getting through to you and so grateful for you um, and how uh, generous you share all of your experience and information. It's been helping me more than I can say in words. Thank you. Thank you for letting me know. Yes. Yes. Thank you. The reason I'm calling is because I, um, I was hemorrhaging for about a month. I just stopped three days ago because a week and a half ago I started doing, um, as per your instruction, um, let's see, not personal instruction, obviously, um, but I started doing infusions weighed on my stamps.com uh, scale, <laughs> weighing um, and in herbal infusions of raspberry leaf, nettle, and yarrow. I made a tincture of Vitex and was taking that. I was getting, I started getting acupuncture. I went three times last week. I have uh, three appointments this week. Um, I was doing moxa at home on this point on my spleen meridian, castor oil packs on my liver, um, and the bleeding subsided, and I'm not crossing my fingers, but I'm just kind of going with it. It's been three days since I've bled, and I was using a tampon every hour. How so old are you? I've been dying. How old are you, if you I'm don't mind my asking? Not at all. I'm 46, and so I'm in my menopausal time. But I also have in talking had to fibroids. in talking to tens of thousands of women about menopause. I would yeah. say that certainly more than half, more like mm, two thirds or even three quarters of women, have one major episode of bleeding during menopause. Okay. Okay. So there's okay. no reason to think it will come back. <gasps> okay. I've also been, as per your instruction, when I when I meditate daily, talking to my uterus and telling her, it's time to stop. It's time. Um, I heard you say that last week to a woman, and I internalized it. Yes. And... Um, I also have fibroids, Susan, and um, I've been doing moxa above the fibroid, telling it to break up, and um, so we'll see. Uh, I go into an OBGYN. I'm going to ask for another ultrasound and Doppler MRI to see what the state status of it is at this point. This was when I was in the ER. Uh, three weeks, two weeks ago, they they took that. My question is, because I don't want to take up time just telling that's my okay. story. Tell me about being in the ER. Did you take yourself there? Did somebody else take you there? My partner took me because at that point I had been bleeding. Uh, I was using like a tampon every 45 minutes for five days straight, and at that point I was extremely weak. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea what was going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, with diet restrictions. 
So I'm glad that your partner took care of you. For those who are listening, another thing to do is to eat some meat, especially some liver. Uh Uh-huh. That's what I started doing. That was not a part of my diet previously. I am glad that you have decided to rejoin humanity. Yeah. (laughs) Love you. I'm just listening to my body. For many years, my body didn't want me. Now my body wants it, so. There's no body anywhere in the world that does not want meat. I'm sorry. Bodies love meat. It's what they're made of. Indeed. Indeed. There are minds that don't want meat, but not bodies. And I've talked to a great many minds who insist that their body doesn't want meat, and I say, Show me. Come here and eat this meat and tell me your body doesn't want it. And they eat it and they go, uh, my body wants it. <laughs> I said, well, right, I know. Is, I need, your your, I your mind was saying that your body didn't want it, but that's not ever what your body would say. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. So at, I am glad point. to hear that. I think that this was menopausal bleeding, okay. and you'd have no reason to think that it's going to come back. So um, I think you're doing great stuff. I think getting some red meat into your diet, uh, drinking your nourishing herbal infusions, using a scale, that all sounds really good to me. Um, If you're feeling weak or tired from blood loss, yellow dock is often recommended because it builds iron reserves in the blood very quickly. Ah. As an herbal infusion? No. Yellow dock is usually taken as a tincture. It's very, very bitter. Nobody would drink it as an infusion. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah, okay. but yellow dock fruit, I'm you can even make yellow docks all around, and it's a good time to harvest it. Well, I live in Oakland, California, so unless I go dock grows way up in everywhere. regional area. I know, everywhere. but there's, there's a layer of dirt on everything in the city. I hear the you. pollution. You know, like not. Hear you, but guess who else is living there? Me, breathing the air. Yeah. Correct. So why get fussy? Okay, good point. It's like people who say, I'm not going to eat vegetables unless I can eat eat organic. And we say to them, you know what? It's better to eat non organic vegetables than to eat no vegetables. Okay. Touche. Yeah, yeah, you're living in the city, so. Okay, you're going to partake of what's in the city, and you're going to partake of the plants that are in the city, too. Okay. All right. I'm open. Yeah. Robin Rose Bennett, one of my first apprentices, I think she was number six, uh, went back to Manhattan, lived in Manhattan for six years, and healed some pretty serious health issues with plants that she harvested right there in Manhattan. Okay. All right. All right. And and would you suggest I just continue? I I really as soon as I I had never had a relationship with nettle except for getting stung with them as a child. <laughs> oh, I guess I did have that was my relationship. <laughs> but I when I drank that infusion, I felt like I like I was a homecoming. Isn't it and, amazing? Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a good listener, Susan, so I hear what you say in your podcast. I've listened to many. 
Thank and, you. Um, yeah, yeah. I hear you. Thank you so would I, much. Would I be drinking these for the rest of my life? Like I, I am. am. Okay. I mean, if That's there's any time in your life when you decide I don't want to be well-nourished and feel abundantly well, then that would be the time to stop. Right. No, that time has passed already. <laughs> that already. <laughs> right. Yeah. I did that. And one last question, because I don't want to, um, you know, bogart yep. the mic here too much. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be traveling and visiting my dad up in Seattle. How do you travel with your herbs? Where you might not have mason jars, or do you just buy some? Or what's your? I I travel with tinctures, okay. and I if I am gonna be in a place where I will be away from home enough that it will be a problem not to have my infusions, like when I went to Australia for a month, then I simply uh-huh. weigh out the herb into one-ounce baggies and pack those. Ah, brilliant. Okay. Yeah. Right, and have then, yeah, usually there's a jar wherever I land. Yeah. You know, most people have, have jars three. around. <laughs> and if not, it, you know, one's pretty easily found, or as you said, you know, it's it's hard just to buy a single jar. They usually sell cases of them, so. Right, right. Right. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. Uh, of course, previously, we were um, able to um, just take jars of infusion with us. Uh-huh. But we can't do that anymore. Uh-huh. No, we cannot. No. Not allowed. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, like you said, foregoing all other... Well, I do have my café con leche in the morning, my coffee Good. with milk, because that's, that's not not happening. But all my other liquids are these delicious infusions, and I'm just, it's like a ritual. Every time I drink them, when I make them, and I'm just endlessly, boundlessly grateful for this way that I'm going to be sharing with other women, just as you do, so so generously. And, thank uh, you. Thank you for carrying it on and helping to reweave the healing cloak of the ancients and restore herbal medicine to its rightful place. Mm, mm, yes, yes, yes. Surrounding you and all in your life with green blessings. Thank green you. Green blessings to you too. Call again sometime. I will. Take care. You too. Good night. Nine five six. The line is open for you. Hello. Hi. 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 Um, so I have a comment on a, a show from July and a question about my son. Um, so I had I've, I had tried to call before, but I was always too late and I never got in. So um, I was listening to an earlier show and you talked about henna as uh, being poisonous, as a as like if you take an orally. Um, and you said it was Revolfia, Revolfia. I don't know if I spelled it right um, when I looked it up. So <clears throat> I've been working with henna for like seven years, and I haven't used it as a medicine internally because the henna that I source is powdered, and I don't feel comfortable just ingesting powders. But I have used it uh, topically as a body art and as a hair dye. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm sorry, I'm a little nervous. Um, 
and uh, but I have been I had read that it was used as a digestive um, and as antiparasitic and other medicinal properties as it has um, when taken orally. Um, I don't know if you've heard of any of what that or what does antiparasitic indicate to you? Um, that it is probably some sort of toxic. <laughs> Correct, right? As soon as it says yeah. antiparasitic, we can, without a doubt, know that this is a poisonous herb, yes? Okay. Now, right. aspirin is poisonous, too. In fact, in order to sell a drug, you have to establish LD50, which is the lethal dose of that drug for half of the mm-hmm. animals given to. So all okay. drugs are, by law, poisons. <clears throat> So the fact that it's poisonous doesn't mean it can't be used as herbal medicine, but it's not something that I specialize in. In fact, what we can say is that the general thrust of herbal medicine has been toward drugs. To use ever stronger, more drug-like plants. And it's one of the things that I ask myself if I really need to do that and decided that I would work with nourishing herbs instead. Okay. Yeah, I've been doing that too. Um, I haven't really been interested in trying to take it internally because, um, I mean, I just use it mainly for body art. Um, Yeah. And isn't it fun? Yeah. Yes, I love it. I really, yeah. really enjoy it. I don't think I'll ever get a regular job again. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, I have used okay. it as, um, I did experiment with a friend, and we used it to get rid of a toenail fungus, and it worked. The um, henna. She just, the henna, yeah. She would just apply it to the nail, like, regularly, and, uh, and it, and it, grew out naturally after a while like nothing so it worked like that <laughs> all right well that got, is so good to know also got rid of lice with it um so it worked yay <laughs> well and the other hey, question that i thanks had was for um, sharing that with us about thank you thank you for letting me share um the other question that i had was about my son um he has i guess it's been diagnosed as contact dermatitis um, and I and I've noticed it since he was five. He's ten now, uh, mm-hmm. and he gets it every time he has like buttons, like metal buttons on his pants or something, you know, metal that will touch his skin. He'll mm-hmm. break out in hives, and he gets really itchy in the area. So mm-hmm. after I learned that that's what was causing it, I've been just trying to use drawstring pants and elastic, you know, right. making sure there's no metal on his clothes. But he gets it when his sweats too much too, and we live in like South Texas, so it's like summer, ninety percent of the year, <laughs> and uh, he just sweats, and he'll get it like around his neck. I don't know if um, I've been using like to soothe it. I'll use like plantain from the garden, 
Um, I make an oil infused with it, and I, I use that. Um, sometimes I use just like a calendula salve that I made as well. Um, and I, the last time I used a pine salve um, that I had um, that I made, and uh, it was uh, made with pine resin uh-huh. and beeswax and olive oil. And, uh, and it worked really well. It's, it, it helped with the itching. Um, and it's, um, but I was wondering if there was anything that I can do to, like, besides avoiding everything that, you know, causes it to touch his skin, but if there's anything that he can, like, take or, I don't know, if there's anything else I can do for him, you know. Like, the doctor, when he diagnosed it when he was little, he, uh, he just told me, he's like, you just basically have to, like, teach him how to take care of his, you know, body and what what causes it, what makes him break out, and have him avoid it, and that's pretty much it. So he breaks out when his skin gets wet? Well, not when it gets wet. It's mainly his sweat, and I don't know if it might be the acidity level in his sweat or something. Um, uh-huh. So he'll break out, like, around his neck sometimes or in his armpits. Um, uh-huh. So... Um, not, you know, it hasn't been I, too, too bad, but when it does get bad, like I don't give them have the name of the company just to heart, but I know that there is a company that makes a spray of skin bacteria that corrects this. Okay. So in this day of internet, what I would say is just go online. Mm-hmm. And look for skin bacteria. Products of skin bacteria is what you're looking for. Okay. And give that a try. I have known several people who said they felt like their um, skin problems that nothing, nothing would help at all. And the spraying skin bacteria on totally changed it for them. Okay. And it, is it used, do you know if it's used like as a daily thing or? Yes. Or is it Even like several times okay. a day. It comes with instructions. Okay. And if for some reason you can't find it, call back next week and I'll go. Um, I'm sure I have a bottle of it somewhere and I'll look it up during the week so that if you call back, I'll have access to it. And if you don't, it's not a problem. Okay. Thank Alrighty. you so much. I think that's okay. all I have to ask. Thank you very much. You have a good night. You too. Thanks for calling. So, Susan, so excited about the new book coming out. It's going to be a great stocking stuffer. Quite the stocking stuffer. For those of you who don't know what we're talking about, Susan has a new book called Abundantly Well The Seven Medicines coming out, uh, I think, December 1st. And it's a really. Uh, long-awaited, a wonderful uh, compendium of wisdom. Yes, so many things in that book. I am just delighted that it's soon going to be in people's hands. And it's, you know, it's kind of like the time of, oh, 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 the, you know, not much I can do to, to make it um, go faster. It's just going to have to take the time that it's going to take, but... Coming soon, coming soon. Yes, coming soon. Okay, so I'm opening up the line for the 608 area. Hello, Susan. 
Hi. Hi. Um, wow. Uh, there's so much I want to thank you about, so I'm going to start with that and just say, first of all, that every time I think I'm going to call you, I realize I've already learned the solution and I don't need to call you. <laughs> <laughs> now, that's fun. <laughs> it is fun. It is fun. And, you've, you know, over the years, you've had a, some wonderful guests that have also been very helpful. There was a biomechanist, uh, Katie Bowman, that was on a, a while ago that I'm telling you, if, if anybody – you know, wants to learn about biomechanics, um, you know, look up that episode because it, it that that was also really life-changing for me. Um, and uh, you've been helping me with my dog, too, and, and uh, have been a great resource. Um, I, I have this uh, giant breed dog who is just, just an absolute sweetheart. Um, because he's so giant, um, you know, even though he's only four years old, he's considered middle-aged. And, uh, um, oh, and on that same topic, you know, helping me find, you know, good healers that have the right kind of mindset. I found a vet. He's a country vet, you know. So he, um, you know, on one side of the parking lot is where they have the farm animals, and on the other side is where they have the domestic animals. And uh, I'm telling you, it makes a huge difference. I mean, he's not anything special. He's not some kind of, um, you know, uh, alternative medicine guy. He's just a guy who trusts me to know what's best for my dog. And, you know, it's because of you and your, you know, encouragement for looking for people who really, you know, allow you to trust yourself that allowed me to find him. And Yay! glad yay yay is right so but there's something he observed he said you know your dog's toenails are wearing differently on one side than the other and he said it's just something you ought to you know keep an eye on because it could mean that you know he might be experiencing some kind of pain somewhere so uh so here, here's my question to you. Do you think I should start including some St. Jones wort in, in his life on a regular basis? Dogs and cats do not do really well with herbal tinctures, and St. Jones wort is unsafe to use in any other way. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you were thinking um, of including that in his diet because well, just uh, well, just as uh, well, you know how when people get older they get kind of creaky, and uh-huh. since since he, you know, if he's if his toenails uh-huh. are wearing, well, yeah, I would think more of un- com- comfrey, comfrey because comfrey increases the strength and the flexibility of all the connective tissue. Okay, okay, isn't, isn't that what so we want? I would, Absolutely. So I, right. but I just, you know, will ease the pain, but let's get a little mm-hmm. closer into what's actually happening and not just to ease yeah. the pain, but keep him out of pain. Right. So and would I mix that with You're some... probably already drinking comfrey infusion, so you're already yes. making, so that makes it easy. Most dogs yep. and cats will drink nourishing herbal infusion if mixed with sufficient dairy. Okay. I've got yogurt. He loves yogurt. There you so, go. 
Yeah, easy peasy. infusion and yogurt. You can start out by putting a little comfy infusion in the yogurt since you know he likes it. And just keep increasing mm-hmm. the amount until he rejects. Okay. All right. A, oh, animals and, can uh-huh. do, uh, you know, he's a large dog. He could easily do several cups of infusion a day if he's willing to drink that much. And it doesn't have to be yeah. comfy every day. And he doesn't have to okay. drink it every day to get benefit. Oh, okay. So... I could just give him, you know, comfrey maybe a couple times a week or something yeah. like that. So. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Right. Well, that that's something he I really think likes that's very doable. Thinking them on a daily basis, he could have them on a daily basis too, you know. Okay. Well, we'll we'll see about that. I know there are some infusions I have tried with him that he doesn't particularly care for, but um, but I'll try this. I think the approach of Kind of gradually introducing him to comfrey might might actually do the trick. Good. So thank you, thank you so much. Welcome. Um, What's your dog's name? Jojo. Jojo. All right. We're all thinking about Jojo. Yeah. Thank you so much, Susan. You're welcome. And have a wonderful evening. You too. Green blessings. Green. Green blessings. Bye bye. So, Susan, can you tell us for a moment about your work exchange weekends coming up? Yes. You know, we live in the Hudson River Valley, and it's apple time in the Hudson River Valley. This is one of the places that grows apples for the entire United States, hundreds and hundreds of acres in apples, and we've got some good connections down in the apple field. So we go down and we get a box of apples. Now, a box of apples is about a 1,000 pounds or about half a ton of apples. And we bring it home and we make applesauce and we make apple butter. And, yes, you're right, we press apple cider. So we're going to be pressing apple cider this work exchange weekend. And that is always a lot of fun. The truth of the matter is, if you want to get really fussy about it, although everybody says we're pressing cider, what we're really pressing is apple juice. And like any other uh, plant juice, you know, fruit or vegetable juice, it's really basically just sugar water. The vitamin and mineral content is extremely low. There's no protein. You know, very, very little in there except sugar and water. But, of course, we don't wash the apples, and we don't heat the apple juice. So there's bacteria and molds in there. And over a period of a week or two, those things start to eat the sugar and to relieve themselves um, by creating yeast byproducts, which turn that apple juice into apple cider. And now you have something that is a great probiotic because you have all of these yeasts and molds and things working in the apple cider. And, of course, this also makes it illegal. Right? It's illegal in the state that I live to sell unpasteurized or unpreserved apple cider because they don't want people consuming all those bacteria and so on. As soon as that law went into effect is when I went out and bought my cider press. I figured my first gallon of cider cost me $1,000, and every gallon since then has been free. Come and press apple juice with us. It'll turn into apple cider. If you bring us a small jug with you, you can take some home. And uh, we'll be, what else are we going to be doing? There's uh, some um, work that needs to be done around the animals. We're going to be shoveling some stuff, and we're also going to be taking compost to the gardens. The whole slippery elm forest has to be moved off the deck and into the greenhouse 
when I first built the deck decades ago, there was a slippery elm tree growing right beside the pond. And like most elm trees in the United States, it succumbed to the Dutch elm blight. And, but not before it had flowered and made seeds. And those seeds fell down into pots, planter pots, on my deck. And what I decided to do was just keep them all. And so I have a very strange collection of, of small and big pots that contain slippery elm trees. And over the years, I've given That's quite a amazing. few. That's amazing. Yeah, I think I started with about 30. Yeah. And we're, I'm down to, what, about 10 or 11 now? Yeah, it's a fairly small slippery yeah. elm. matter of fact, the uh, roadside crew decided to come in, and the apprentices were very upset because they, there were a couple of small trees in front of the apprentice house that, you know, blocked the road noise, and the road crew cut them down. I know, and there's nothing that can be done about that, so we move on. So I wanted yes. to tell you, Susan, that there but seems we, to be we, at we least... We've been slippery elm from the slippery elm forest two, down there. Four, six, eight, six, eight, seven. There's seven people who want to ask you a question. Well, we've got to have a what? Moving. And right, uh, so I good. think we should limit each each call to like 10 minutes unless you really need more time, okay? All right, sounds good. Okay, now the line is open for the 111 area. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hello. Hi, Susan. Welcome. Hello. Yeah. Uh, Susan, I have a question regarding um, dental cavities. So I went to the dentist and I was told that I have cavities and but when they were cleaning like there was no blood there was nothing and I can only um I asked the doctor I asked the dentist if it had to do with me drinking lemon water cuz I do drink lemon water first thing in the morning and she's like no 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 that alkalizes the 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 mouth it's no it's not but I do also drink lemon in my tea so I've stopped it I don't think I looked up a lot of your stuff I don't have your dental CDs for oral care um, I do plan on ordering them but I'm doing everything else right I think it's just probably that that softened the enamel or eroded it so I just wanted um, some thoughts from your end. I don't think that lemon erodes the enamel. No? No. Oh. No. I, 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 you know, it might be a convenient thing to change or remove, but I don't think it's going to do much. What we know oh. about dental cavities is that the mouth, like all parts of the digestive system, um, has a microbiome. There's all kinds of bacteria that live in the mouth. Mm-hmm. And some of those bacteria um, try to help out by getting rid of things they should think shouldn't be in the mouth or on the teeth. And they produce acids as a byproduct, which mm-hmm. leads to the tooth enamel. The acid of lemon is not strong enough to really do it. Okay. So the produced by those bacteria are strong enough to do it. So one of the things that helps change the biome in the mouth to a healthier state is yarrow, and that's tincture mm-hmm. of yarrow. It's the tincture of the flowering tops of yarrow, and it can be dropped on a toothbrush and used to brush the teeth, 
and then mm-hmm. a small amount can be put directly in the mouth and used as a mouthwash. Or if you want, if you like to use a lot of mouthwash, put a little yarrow in some water and use that. Mm-hmm. Yarrow is extremely antiseptic, and yes. what antiseptics do is they kill septic bacteria. They kill disease-causing bacteria without harming good bacteria. Mm-hmm. So yarrow is quite ideal. Now, if you do actually have cavities, and those cavities are visible to the naked eye, then my experience is that they need to be filled. Mm-hmm. And that you can do good things for your teeth, but that those cavities have already occurred. So um, she took the x-ray, which I wasn't quite happy with, but I guess I have to, um, you know, sort of concede. And um, she says two are very small, so they're not visible to the naked eye. But one, she says she can she can feel the hole, but I can't, I don't have any symptoms. Mm-hmm. Um, so she can feel it, and there's a shadow on the x-ray, but, you know, they do a lot of shadow work, so... I mean, I, I don't want to doubt. I don't want to come from a place of doubt, but I mean. Well, what happens if you don't fill it? Is it the cavity can get bigger? Mm-hmm. There's nothing much that can prevent it from getting bigger because it mm-hmm. has now broached the enamel and the inside of the tooth is soft. Mm-hmm. And it can go down into the root of the tooth and it can, you know, if you don't get it filled, then what eventually happens is you need a root canal and or the tooth dies and it gets pulled. Yeah, that's right, and I would like to avoid the root canal. And, and I did hear another podcast of yours that did say that, you know, there's really no way to reverse the cavity um, once it's set in. It's gone past the enamel and into the dentin. So so I guess... Um, so that's, what, that's, you know, my take on it is better to have a small filling now than mm-hmm. a major problem years from now. I had a friend who was really pathologically afraid of dentists. She really simply would not go to the dentist. So I actually got to see this whole thing happen because she had cavities and she wouldn't do anything about them. And I I literally watched all of her teeth rot and break and fall out of her mouth. Yeah. I know. I'm not afraid of dentists. I just had a dentist since I was a baby, but then somebody else bought over their practice, and he was doing practically root canals on pretty much all normal cavities, so I had to change. And since then, I've just become skeptical, so I think that's my stand on, um, you know. However, I do respect and love and trust you, so I will go ahead and do this, you know. Yeah. So, like yeah, when it comes to right? cavity, you basically have two choices. Mm-hmm. And there are definitely people who are, you know, pro and against each one of them. The standard right now is plastic. Mm-hmm. Plastic is put into the hole, and it's actually bonded in there with a light. Mm-hmm. That's right. The difficulty with plastic is plastic does not last as long as metal. Yeah. 
So the other option is an amalgam filling. Mm-hmm. An amalgam is a mix of metals. I have amalgam filling still in my mouth, which were put there when I was 12 years old. That's more than 60 years. Mm-hmm. It's rare that you're going to get more than 15 or 20 years from a plastic filling. So I can request an amalgam filling, right? That's certainly what I do. Yeah. Well, there's all the other other stuff, right? I have some breast stuff going on, but we won't broach that subject now because time is of the essence. So, um, okay, I will request the amalgam filling. But as far as you're concerned, they're okay, right? From the perspective of because they always say metal fillings, you know, leaching and stuff like that. <coughs> there is no. Let's put it this way: the Environmental Protection Agency. Has mm-hmm. no rules about putting an amalgam filling in your mouth. Mm-hmm. The studies that were done showing amalgam fillings were leaching were done on sheep. Mm-hmm. And those studies have never been found to be true in people. Most of us do not chew the way sheep chew, mm-hmm. to put it mildly. And the readings, the fillings were put in and the readings were taken in the same day. Yeah, what I mean is any toxic stuff going into other parts of the body, right? Actually, you know, we've already seen that with like silicon breast implants and so on. Plastic does not like to stay home. Yeah. I feel safer with amalgam. Okay. And the mercury that's in there is not not reactive with the body. The metals are not very reactive. And I have known quite a few people who have basically destroyed their health by having their amalgam fillings removed. Ooh. Okay. So I am all for keeping the amalgam fillings that you have, and you have to make your own decision as to whether you want amalgam in if you need a new filling or plastic. As so I the said, plastic is what's called the composite, right? I think that's the way you... Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and so... They don't want to use... They don't want to tell you it's plastic. Yeah, that's what I was wondering, what that was made that's of. Like she said a whole bunch of uh, material, so... So that we know so what materials we're dealing with. Plastic she did and say, because um, I did tell her I drink a lot of herbal infusions, and she's like, oh, that might be eroding, eroding it, too. And I was like, oh, more than a lemon? And she had no answer, so... But I d- highly doubt that the... The nourishing herbal infusions are not eroding anything. Okay. Okay, I have been drinking approximately a quart a day of nourishing herbal infusions for about 30 years. Yeah, I've been doing a quart for five, so, yeah. That's... My my dentist is astonished. She says, well, you know, this could happen there. And I said, yeah, let's watch and see what happens. And five years later, she says, nothing has happened. I said, that's right. Yeah. And nothing so, is going to I know something could happen, but it's not going to. So, we so can lemon keep. is okay, okay then? Because, yeah. Yeah? Yes, okay. Because in one of the other um, nothing wrong, shows nothing wrong that it's a lot of acid to have in, first thing in the morning. But Lemon maybe. is not that acidic. Yeah? Okay. It's okay. sour. Yeah. But if you want it like taste what like acid tastes like, go to the store. They're selling Halloween candy and get sour candy. Yeah. 
Now, those are made with acids that will strip down your teeth. Mm-hmm. What, what many dentists have told me is that healthy people often get cavities because they eat dried fruit. Mm. And the dried fruit sticks to the teeth and the bacteria that produce that acid that gets through the enamel comes in to try to get the sticky pieces of dried fruit out from between the teeth. No, I just, I just, the only dried thing I eat is a fig a day, per, not even every day. Yeah. So. so just as a possibility, anyhow. Okay. I, I'm thank not worried you. about the acid limit. Okay, thank you so much, Susan, and green okay. blessings. I know we have to move along. Thank you so much. Green blessing. Okay, Susan, I think we have about 30 minutes before the interview with Lauren Pritchard, which I'm looking forward to uh, hearing. And um, we got. I guess we're going to try to fit in three or four more calls if we can, okay, in the 30 minutes. Yes, and Lauren Richard had an ambush awakening in which she became an instant medium to spirit guides. She's going to be an interesting interview tonight. That's at 9 o'clock East Coast time, about half an hour from now. Great. Whoever's on the line, please answer, ask us, Susan, a question. Hello? Hi. Hi. Can you hear me okay? Yes, we can. Yeah. Yeah, I was just wondering. Um, I had seen, um, uh, you know, some of the, uh, you know, the weed wanderings. Yes. Or is it you know, like weed? some of the old ones, like from uh-huh. 2003. Uh-huh. And it seems like it was very anti-vaccine. But then... I have. I personally have never been anti-vaccine. We do, in our e-zine, publish the opinions of other people. Oh, so when did you become? So you're pro-vaccine. I'm very much pro-vaccine and always have been. Are Are your sponsors like Merck and Pfizer? As you notice, I do we not don't have, have sponsors. Oh, Susan. Susan, uh-huh. as much as I'd love to continue this conversation, there are is a long line of people that need to ask health questions. That so we have health um, questions. Let's ask one of them. We to can come on. we can talk Let's about this call. at another Thanks. time, and we really appreciate you calling in. Thank you. Okay, the line is open in the two six zero area. If you have a question for Susan, yes, I do. Thank you. My name is Holly, Go right ahead. and I have two questions. Thank you. I'm calling because I'm noticing that as, well, I'm going to say I'm aging, but I've noticed in the past three months that I've had some joint pain in my hands. And I do do massage. I do Thai massage, and I have a, I do assemble some aromatherapy inhalers. And I've noticed that my hands have been sore and not recovering after I've been working. So I'm just wondering how I can You have poisoned yourself with essential oils. Time to quit. (laughs) <laughs> I figured you would say that, but this is new. It can take it's a, a bit, while for the detrimental effects of something to show up. Hmm. Well, 
Well, it's a business that I have, and it's something that's important as an income stream, so I haven't given it up. I understand. Um, yeah, I understand. it's something that I do. I do it a few times a month, and I wear gloves while I do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's such bad karma. <laughs> such bad karma to people to these totally horrible understand. poisons. Mm. Yeah. You know, essential oils go break down the boundary of the cell, go into the cell and destroy the mitochondria, the energy-producing body of the cell. Essential oils, even organic essential oils, have the same hormone-disrupting potential as BPA. I've stopped using them in my healing practice. Thank you for, for sharing that. Do you know where I could look for some of the some of the science? I'm assuming that you've read it somewhere too, and can you share? Absolutely. Um, Much of the science, of course, is in my new book, which will be out in probably about a month. And um, in the back e-zines, one year I did the 10 worst health ideas, and I put all the science for essential oils there. But here's really an at-home thing you can do. Take an essential oil and put a piece of um, plastic, like a plastic water bottle, on a finished table and spill essential oil on the two things. Watch the plastic melt and the finish come up off the table. Sure, absolutely. And then, I, I mean, really, do we need caustic. science when we see that a substance is so caustic that it can break down a finish and that, that it will melt plastic? We really, we, then we're going to feel comfortable having that in our bodies? No. How many pounds of lavender are there in a one-ounce bottle of lavender essential oil? I'm sure it's hundreds. It's astonishing. Isn't no, it? it's more than a thousand. More than a thousand. Yeah, I, I completely. And we cannot do this to our planet. It's not nice. Completely. It's just yes. not nice what you're doing. Your body is trying to tell you that it's time for you to find a way to do natural scent therapy and to make your money from natural scent therapy instead of from drugs. You can do that. You don't have to keep making money from drugs. Sure, sure. This is this is an account for a hospital. I do it for one hospital. And I'm not making excuses. It's completely out of alignment with my own values, but it's just something that basically pays my daughter's tuition, and so here I am. I hear you. Yeah. Okay, my other question is actually about my daughter. Would this be a good Uh time to transition? Sure. Okay. She started a new school this year, and she's nine. Um, I think there's been quite a bit of increased stress academically for her. She was at a Montessori school before, and now she's at a, uh, a very different environment, but she seems happy. But we've noticed that she's um, she has a lot of angry outbursts and goes from zero to about like seventy five eighty sometimes a hundred and I'm just wondering how I can support her emotionally at the moment without like she will take medicine she'll drink infusion sometimes um, I've tried to get her to drink oat star lately, so I'm just wondering how I can support her. Well, it's a little complicated from a distance, Um, but of course, 
it's hard not to think that she's unhappy if she's having angry outbursts. Mm. The Montessori schools, um, are the school that she was going to is probably quite different from the schools that she's in now. It's very different, yes. And it would not surprise me if she didn't feel really angry about that change. Yes. But it's a situation in which it can be difficult for her to express that anger directly. Mm. That has not escaped me. (laughs) Especially because you're working so hard at a job you don't like to pay for her tuition. (laughs) Well, she had tuition at the Montessori, too, but not that that's really any different. But, of course, education is very hard right now, isn't it? It's all broken. So here we are. Um, No, education has never been broken. Human beings are curious. It is a defining characteristic of human beings that we are curious. And I have always had a kind of Summerhill attitude toward education, which is that human beings are curious and they will learn what they need and want to learn. We can you know, say, you have to study this and you have to take a test on this and you have to do this. But truthfully, really, like probably you can remember when the War of 1812 was, but none of the rest of them. Mm. Really? How much did you benefit from all that coerced, forced stuff? Mm. Yes. I I have never seemed important to me to force children to do any curriculum of any kind. And that's, to me, what learning is about. Most children do not have the opportunity to spend time with real teachers. In other words, people who are honestly fascinated by the subject they're teaching. And so children, in fact, wind up feeling kind of cranky and crummy about learning so that the schools, instead of actually encouraging that learning, um, put, put children off. All the way back, 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 thousands of years to the very first schools in the golden age of Greece, the philosopher said, School will ruin a child's mind. Children should never be sent to school. Plato said, writing? Horror! No child should be taught to write. It will destroy their memory. Mm. Reading was viewed with great fear. Even a hundred years ago, it was thought that people would Go off the deep end if they were allowed to read. What do we mean by schooling? 
My granddaughter is homeschooled. That means if she wants to go to Paris, that we start studying the art of Paris and the architecture of Paris and the language and the people and the customs and the history. And then we go to Paris and we take it all in. That would be a nice alternative to paying tuition. <laughs> right? A lot more right. fun, too. <laughs> yes. Thank you for sharing your views. Yeah. Yeah. The, the advantage of school, and it is pretty much its only advantage, is free babysitting. Well, in my case, it's expensive babysitting, but... Yes. And that's one of the reasons why many people (laughs) need and want their children to be in school because they want their child somewhere while they're out doing other things. Hmm. Like working. Yes. To pay the tuition. Yes, exactly. And I'll One of my apprentices, Kayla, had three children, and she um, worked very, very hard to supply them with everything they wanted, and they wanted a lot. You know, mm-hmm. they wanted this kind of sneaker and that kind of thing and this other kind of thing, and um, she made sure they got all of that. And as they got older, in fact, as they got into their 30s, they came to her one by one, and they said, Mom, you know what? You worked so hard care of all of us when we were young and to get us all the things we wanted. We want you to know that we actually would have preferred if you had said no to us and stayed home with us. Yeah. The things are long gone, and so is the time we could have shared with you. Indeed. Indeed. So I know that we all always make the best decisions that we can, given what's going on in our life right now. I would envision, if your daughter needs to stay in school and needs to continue to do this, that a couple of drops, and I'm literally talking two or three drops of motherwort each morning, or Mm. a couple of drops of catnip, will help her not have angry outbursts at school and that you might want to encourage any anger or any angry outburst that she might want to have at home. Okay. Right? One way to do that is to designate a punch pillow, something that can be punched and yelled at. In Japan, they actually sell crockery that you can break, and they have a crockery breaking area. (laughs) These things really do help. They sound kind of funny, but they help a lot. I remember somebody told me that he loved doing the recycling for his family because he could go to a place where he could throw the glass into a thing and break it, and he loved the sound of the breaking glass. I I live in a house where we know from medical records that the wife uh, predeceased the husband, and he spent the time between her death and his death breaking glass here because we had to pick it all up. Mm. That's 
So that's how he got his rage out. It it can work. So encourage your daughter to be angry, you know, in ways that feel safe for everybody, and see if catnip and or motherwort can help give her a break from it at school. Okay. All right? Thank you. You're welcome. Good night. Good night. Seven seven three. Yay! Hi, thank you, Susan. Hi. Um, hi. I okay. I want to try and talk fast, but Saturday morning I was stung by a wasp in Vermont, and I put plantain on it, uh, mm-hmm. a plantain poultice. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday night I made a not very smart move and I went into the hot tub. And then, oh, <laughs> oh okay, yes, uh, oh, big time. And then, so that was an uncomfortable sleep on Saturday because it was just, you know, really super hot and um, swelling and itchy. I tried not to scratch it. And then Sunday, um, it just kept increasing, and I tried to do more plantain on it. And, and then I was traveling, and I didn't have – I didn't have any of my like tinctures and stuff with me. So then on Sunday, I did Sunday night. I took Benadryl at night. Cause it was just getting so bad. I didn't know what to do. So I took two Benadryl and then Monday morning I took a Claritin and it just keeps spreading. And I think it's better. Oh, okay. So then I got home and I did a couple drops of OSHA and I made a Linden in, uh, infusion. And that's what I've been drinking today. I was going to do nettle tomorrow. I did a couple drops of OSHA this morning. Um, and there's, so it's still red. It's, it was close to my groin. The red is spread down past my knee. Like it just keeps traveling. And there's like a whitish ring around it. That's actually calmed down. It kind of comes and goes that whitish ring, but it's wrapped around the center of my leg from the top all the way like, past the center line in the back. It's kind of Even though it's incredibly annoying, this is a normal reaction. Okay. So what happens when you're stung by a wasp is that there's a release of histamines. And often what people do is they'll take a plantain leaf and they will pull this right where they got stung. Mm-hmm. And that deals with the histamine right where they got stung, but that histamine has now spread far and wide. Mm-hmm. In fact, I usually find that I have to cover an area at least as big as my outstretched hand around the sting and sometimes even larger area. Mm. Heat and movement spread the reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a bad move. Right. So if I get stung and I keep working even for a minute, my reaction is going to be twice as bad as if I stop immediately. Oh, okay. So that often makes it seem worse because we think, ah, I, you know, it wasn't that bad. And then like five minutes later, we realize it was, and we start to do something about it. But it's a little late, and it's usually too little. I don't think that you're in any real danger here. I haven't heard you say that you stopped breathing, that you felt short of breath. No, I haven't any of that. And I did, um, I 
did read some stuff online about like the next time it's kind of raising a flag. If she, do I need to be concerned for the next time? Should I ever be stung again for a more severe reaction? And this or, is Anna, not a severe reaction. This is a completely normal reaction. I hear that, but, but okay. So okay, I was thinking like the so next. No, time. you don't have to be concerned next time because this is a normal reaction. Okay. You are supposed gotcha. to react to being stung by a wasp. Gotcha. That wasp has just injected your body with something designed to kill. You're far too big to kill, so it's not going to kill you, but your body is going to react to it like that. Yeah, she did a good job. She got me. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I just read a a kind of interesting story about a woman who was diagnosed, you know, with a reaction to a wasp sting, but nonetheless decided to go out on a hike without her EpiPen and stepped on a rotten log, which housed a yellow jacket nest, and she got 13 stings, and she survived it without her EpiPen. Oh, wow. So, again, you have to know, you know, if the histamine reaction makes you short of breath and you get blue and don't breathe, that is definitely life-threatening. But if we're talking about swelling and itching and pain, it's not life-threatening. Okay. Okay. Great. All right. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Green blessings. Good night. Okay. Green blessings. All right, here I am. <laughs> okay, we got about so, 13 minutes. About 13 minutes, so maybe there's room for two more. How's that sound? Let's see what we got. Um, let's see. <laughs> okay, in the 845 area, hello, the line is open for you. Hello, hello. Hi. Tatiana. Hi, Tatiana. Hi. Um, I got dizzy two weeks ago, and I thought that's a side effect of the the St. John's Wort tincture that I was taking. And uh, I went to the doctor, and they found a, put an EKG on me, and they told me that I had uh, a mild heart attack. They don't know when that happened. And they went to get me through a lot of tests and to give me high blood pressure um, medication. And I I never responded well to medication, and I'm pretty much terrified by all the tests that I need to go through, uh, including the end of it is scraping my arteries because a part of my heart uh, had been damaged, and it's kind of a piece of it, it is n- not functioning. I don't know. They said something very strange, like uh, a, a part of my heart is not working, and I might get uh, a big heart attack, and then I'll go. You know, and my father went at the age of 52, and his father had a heart attack at the age of 40, and somehow I don't feel that. Uh, I am going to die of a heart attack at 77 if I could live with my heart until now. And I want your good advice about how to do this naturally and uh, without the threat of hospitals. I'm totally horrified of that. 
I absolutely hear you. It is always kind of scary to discover that you've had a heart attack. Yeah. And did they explain what that meant? Uh, no, they said that a mild heart attack, many people have it, and they don't, it, it doesn't even, they don't even feel it. But the danger of it, that it can go second time into a, that's why they want to do all the tests to find out why exactly. Yes. And uh, that it can go into a major heart attack and into a stroke, and they want to give me medication for high blood pressure even though it's not high all the time and it goes only up and down and mm-hmm. I go it's a very comfortable What kind of heart helping herbs are you using right now? Well, I stopped taking the St. John's wort after I got dizzy. Somebody read on the internet that it's one of the side effects, so I thought not. It's they're wrong. You were taking the tincture, right? Yeah, yeah. They were reading about capsules. Oh, I don't know that. Yes, I know, I know that. I stopped it. I know stopped. that. I've worked with St. John's Wort for over 25 years with thousands and thousands of people. It does not make you dizzy. So it's from, maybe it is from my heart. So they're trying to figure That's out. from your heart. Of course it was from your heart. Yes, it's a classic women's symptom. Uh-huh. So hawthorn is an excellent cardiac herb. Hawthorn berries is one of my favorite ways to work with it. I like to make hawthorn berry tincture. Uh-huh. And hawthorn berry tincture can be taken in dropperful doses on a daily basis. It's Hawthorne is related to apples and strawberries, so it's very, very safe to take for as long as we want to. I take hawthorn on a daily basis, and I have been for about 15 years. My sweetheart, who comes from a family like yours, where the men die in their early 50s of heart attacks, is now in his early 70s, mm-hmm. and his cardiologist uh, is wowed by the benefits that Hawthorne is giving his heart. I can't buy the tincture, tincture ready. can buy the tincture, and I also suggest that you buy some Hawthorne berries and make your own tincture because it's less expensive to make your own. And there are YouTubes of me making Hawthorne tincture, so you can kind of follow along. If you want to. The other herbs that are very well known for being heart helping herbs include motherwort and passionflower. Motherwort is a plant in the mint family, so like Hawthorne, it's perfectly safe to take on a daily basis. One of the really excellent things about motherwort is that motherwort promotes the healthy growth of blood vessels around the heart and to the heart muscle itself. My sweetheart, who I said comes from a line of people who die in their early 50s of heart attacks, had a bypass operation. And he was told before the operation that because three of his four coronary blood vessels were 80% blocked, that there would be large areas of his heart that were damaged and that were not actually working. When he came out of surgery, the day following, the surgeon came in and said to him, I held your beating heart in my hand, and every single cell in your heart is healthy. And that's because my sweetheart takes motherwort and hawthorn on a daily basis. In fact, now that he's under the care of a cardiologist and is having regular tests to watch the blood vessels around his heart, um, they can actually see new blood vessels growing around his heart as a result of the motherwort. 
So how much should I take of both? I don't want to take more than two. I feel overwhelmed. I'm not exactly sure that either one of them would overwhelm you. Taking Hawthorne is rather like eating applesauce. I take a dropper full a day. If I haven't been home for a while, I take two dropper fulls a day. My sweetheart takes between two and six dropper fulls a day of Hawthorne. Motherwort is like mint tea. It's in the mint family. It's simply not a plant that could overwhelm anyone at all. I love mint. I drink mint tea quite a lot. <laughs> there you go. So motherwort tincture, again, a dropper full between one and four dropper fulls on a daily basis. Motherwort also has the effect of keeping blood pressure normal. Oh, good. So it has a very beneficial effect on, on blood pressure as well. And you were using the St. Jones wort, um, it sounds like, on a regular basis for what goal? Uh, you you told me to take it for um, 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 how do you call it the shingle neuralgia that I had for uh-huh. some years. And did it help? No. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. But I want to know how. And how so and so you haven't been taking it, and the neuralgia is the same. It's whether you take it or yeah, not. Yeah, the same. I stopped because I I didn't take anything else, and when I got dizzy, which I never did in my life. And they people looked on the internet, and they said, you know, it can be a side effect of that. It's only only if you take it in capsules. No, I no, I did take the. And you're not taking it in capsules, so it is not a side effect of the tincture ever. All right, but tell me about the motherwort. How do I know to take one drop full or five? Because I usually you have to kind of feel into it yourself. How do you know whether you want to drink one cup of mint tea or more? Oh, I usually drink one cup of tea of mint, not more. But so then, more so then take the lower dose of motherwort, and if you feel like you need more, take more. All right, and okay. and I have to take the Hawthorne as well, or start just well, with it has one. Have to do anything? No, no. I mean, uh, I am. They under- work very, very, very well together. Thank you. So then yeah. we have to move on to the uh, guest. The 30-minute uh, guest. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. You are so welcome. Green blessings. Call Bye-bye. Call again next week, Tatiana. Thank you very much. And we welcome to the show Lauren Alexis Pritchard, who had an ambush awakening in October three years ago. She became an instant medium to spirit guides who initiated her into a process of understanding that she is here to assist the shift in consciousness. Her topics include debt forgiveness through primordial Mother Earth, AI regulation, and the duality unification war. Lauren is an coach and AI regulation specialist. She helps people increase their bioavailability of S-O parentheses U parentheses L-A-R photonics through love. She has webinars available for donation on how to responsibly exit the monetary system, debt forgiveness through primordial mother and the AI sentiments, how to protect your health and connection to source. Welcome to the show, Lauren. 
Yes, and uh, just her call just dropped, and I'm trying to call her back again. Do you hear me, Susan? Yes, absolutely. Okay, let's see if we can get back to her. The call dropped. She called in. Hello? Hi, is this Lauren? Hello? Hi, is this Lauren? Hello, Lauren. Hello. Uh, Lauren, if you are listening, um, I am unable to hear you. So, Susan. Maybe you can tell us something interesting while I see if I can connect with her again. We're having a a telephone connection problem. Okie dokie. We're going to work on getting Lauren back here so we can ask her questions about what she's doing and find out more about this ambush awakening. And meanwhile, we are also coming close to the last workshops of the year, which are always digging roots and getting prepared for cold and flu season. If you've been hearing some rattling during tonight's show, it's because Tara, the apprentice, and I have been unpacking and getting our herb order together. We ordered a bunch of herbs to get us through the winter time and to work with for these classes, and we've been making sure they're all here and getting them all ready to go into the herb storage. Here we are. We're trying to call her again. For some reason, the line of hers is not answering when I keep trying to call. Hello. Hello, Lauren, are you there? Hello. Lauren, can you hear us? Maybe what we should do is answer another question and let her call in. That sounds great. Okay, so I'm going to open up the line for uh, 603. And, and Lauren, if you're out there, um, you could somehow let me know what number you're calling from if you're not calling from the number that is on your on your list, 518 uh, Okay, the line is open for the 603 area. Hello, Susan. Hi. 
Hi, Susan. I, I'm so glad I got through to you. I, I'm desperate to get your advice. Um, I've been suffering terribly with um, pain and arthritis. I had a recent x-ray of my spine, which shows that it's no longer um, scoliosis. It's severe, so it explains my pain. Now, years ago when I had mild scoliosis, I... Um, I could afford um, myofacial release. It used to help me. I used to walk out of the office. I could barely walk. The pain was so severe. And I'd walk out after myofacial release, and it would relieve it greatly. Now, years later, I'm now 69 years old. I um, I can't afford it, but I managed to scrape together um the money for one appointment today. It was remarkable. It was remarkable. Um, it was a nine o'clock appointment, and I came, and I actually was without any pain until like three thirty this afternoon. Then it returned, so I went back to to the bed and um, um, with a hot water bottle. And um, yesterday I tried the compress of comfy, which I heard you say was something good to try. I wasn't sure how to do it, but I did it, and um, along with Epsom salt bath at a different time of the day, and I've started walking very slowly. So I'm trying to do regular stretching because um, I know otherwise it's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. I am taking your um, uh, I am doing what you suggest. I've been doing it actually for at least four years now, your infusions. And I'm looking for any other suggestions you can give me because this myofacial person that I called, he says he can help me. Um, I, I just, you know, found him and um, I, I can see that he can um, because anybody else, all they're recommending is drugs, drugs, drugs. And I, 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 I can't do that. My body, you know, my, I tried that once in the past and um, it screwed me up for years and years with my gut and my mother severe arthritis and she took drugs for years and, and she ended up getting liver cancer. I mean, I don't want to go that route. I'm looking for any suggestions so I can sleep at night. I don't want to take the NSAIDs or these injections, you know, that they're on. I'm looking for any help you can give me so I can sleep at night, so I can function and at least get my work done around the house. And the goal is to get a part-time job so I can afford these myofacial release um, 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 hands-on in addition to whatever I can do to help myself. I'm just so open to whatever you can suggest to me, please. I think that you are on the the right track with the myofascial release. I have in front of me pain erasure, the Bonnie Pruden way. And Bonnie created trigger point therapy because she did not want people to have to pay large sums of money to go and get myofascial release. So this book is 1695, and it will teach you how to do exactly what that other person is doing. And, and what is the book again, please? Pain Erasure, The okay. Bonnie Pruden Way. 
It has really clear photographs, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of photographs for doing myofascial release. And it shows, of course, working with a practitioner um, who can be a loved one. It doesn't have to be, you know, Bonnie really... I never met her myself, but I met her very close companion, and we're just so aligned in restoring this as people's medicine. She doesn't want to see people hijacked, she said, by a profession. Yes. And it is true that some of the stretches, it's easier to do with somebody else, but she also has quite a bit of information on how to do the releases yourself. And I um, worked with her companion in Arizona for a short while, and she spent as much time teaching me how to do things myself as she did doing things for me. Okay. So I'm glad that you found somebody who's effective. Um, That's an important person to have as an ally. But see if Pain Erasure by Bonnie Pruden can't help you as well. Have you experimented with CBD in any form? Yes. Um, with the tincture, I found a good source of somebody that I trusted, um, organic, and it doesn't seem to, to but I don't know if I was, you know, taking enough, but it was under something. You, it, no, I'm sorry, not tincture, oil, CBD oil from hemp, because I uh-huh. heard you talk about that. Uh-huh. And, uh, and it, doesn't, it doesn't seem to, um, to touch it. I, uh, my experience is that the kind of pain that you are having um, is, if CBD is going to work, it would be better topically. So take the oil that you have and rub it into the sore areas. And that that CBD oil, I can rub it in because I have tried that, but I didn't. It, that didn't seem to help either. Um, so I, maybe I should just do it more often. But I thought I thought I was doing it, you know, pretty often. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it didn't. It really depends on where you are with the pain and where the pain cycle is. Sometimes to break the pain cycle, CBD oil has to be taken internally every fifteen or twenty minutes for a day. Okay. And okay. very few people take it that that much. Okay. And, Doesn't have to and, be a lot. Uh huh. But um, that sometimes can break through what the cycle of pain is. There's, you know, a huge variety of different things that help. Um, One of the things that I have noted is that people with joint pain and arthritic pain um, can often improve dramatically when they get all pepper out of their diet. I heard you mention that, and and I have I I I have tried that, but it, it didn't seem to help either. Did I tell you that I have the scoliosis as well as the arthritis between? It's a it's a it's a it's a severe S and rotating. I don't mm-hmm. know if that matters. Mm-hmm. I don't so a Tai Chi, yoga, Qigong, those are all extremely helpful when there's a scoliosis. Yes. I know about that. I can't find any free ones. I'm not able to work right now, so I don't have the funds. You have access to the Internet? There are free Internet programs. Okay. Internet programs. I know that Memorial Sloan Kettering has a free Tai Chi program. 
Memorial Sloan Kettering on the internet? Mm-hmm. Okay. Tai Chi. Because years ago there was a, a free class I was able to take. It's not offered anymore. That was in a different town that I lived in. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I will. I will look for those things. Anything else you can suggest? Um, um, I did a class, uh, a two-hour class on stinging nettle. And the first hour, I talked about all the exciting things that nettle can do and the new research showing that it reverses type 2 diabetes. And then the second hour, I asked the class to contribute. How do they use nettle? What's their favorite way of using nettle? And more than a third of the class said that urtication, striking a sore joint or sore area with nettle, was one of their favorite ways to use nettle. Kind of building on that now, when I introduce nettle to people, I ask if anybody has pain in an area, um, you know, that can be exposed uh, publicly. And uh, then we urticate them. We sting them with nettle. And uh, I am myself often amazed at how quickly um, their pain is relieved. I can't get, but that would have to be with fresh nettle in season, correct? Yes. And that's not, I can't get fresh nettle now. I live. I live in the north. How far north? New Hampshire. Well, there's plenty of nettle around me. You're only 100 miles as I am right now. You bet. Tons of it. Because I had some nettle, but because I had such pain, I didn't get to harvest any of it. It all went to seed. It's all there. It all went to seed. I didn't touch it. I wasn't able to do anything with it. So it's still there. So, okay, well, I haven't been able to even walk out there, but I can ask my husband to do it. Um, There you go. Get him to come in and beat you with some nettle. So beat me with the nettle where it hurts. Yeah. And it's going to sting probably, but that's supposed to. That's what it's supposed to do. It's like bee sting therapy. Right, right, which I have heard of. So we, 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 we can try that. We can try that. Um. Uh, is there anything else that you can think of? No, I think that that's a, a fair assortment of things for you to try out. Did I do the comp- the the, the, comp- the comp- three compress okay the way I did it? I just I just um, took my second. Uh, you know how you explain how to do the comfrey twice. Um, so um, after you drink, um, pour off the infusion after overnight and drink the first one, then put it back. Um, with a couple cups of water and bring that to a boil, boil and let that steep for four hours. And then I took that out of the pot and put it in a cloth and laid that on my lower spine where it's the worst, where it grabs me, where I, I, just, I, I can't, you know, I have to get horizontal, but it, even getting horizontal doesn't help. So I laid down on my stomach and put that on my back and then put a hot water bottle over it. Do the right thing. Sounds so good. That, Sounds excellent. That's so okay. I didn't know how else to do it. Um, I will. And and what and um, did I do it right with doing it with the second batch uh, and drinking the first batch, or and drink the batch too? I, I'm sorry. What was that? Drink the second batch as well, and use the comfrey. Use the comfrey oh, leaf. I, I should, oh, I should squeeze it out. 
Yes. And, oh, because I left some of the moisture in there so there wasn't much in the two cups. You can leave some moisture in there, but there should still be a generous amount of that two cups of water for you to drink. It pretty much absorbed it all. Uh, There wasn't much. So it doesn't need to be squeezed then. I'm sorry, what was that? It doesn't. What you Make the, the first infusion of comfrey with one ounce of dried comfrey and a quart of water. Yes. Strain the liquid off. Add yes. two cups, but do not squeeze the comfrey. Add two cups no, of no. cold water and bring it to a boil. Let it sit for four hours. Now squeeze it, getting the liquid from the first and second batches. If you've left some liquid in it from the first batch, there's no way that it will absorb the whole two cups of water. Okay, yes, okay, okay. Squeeze it, drink that liquid, and if you want to add a little of the liquid to the comfrey to use as a poultice, that's fine. But you're making the second brew to drink. Okay. Oh, one other question. Thank you so much. And can I drink Linden every day for a while to try to... Help me, because I know you say it's such a wonderful Wait, You can drink Linden every day. It's not a problem. Uh, for as long as I want. It's not going to, because I know you say to always alternate. But it's Susan? not a problem. I may oh. Yes, do we have, did Lauren finally catch us? No, Lauren didn't, and we're down to about 10 minutes of the show left. I would like to um, soon open the line so that there's a one, maybe one other person who can also ask a question, if that's possible. Yes, that sounds good. Okay, All right, one I hope I've been of some help to you. Green blessings. Good night. Oh, please. Oh. I wanted to ask about how to make comfy taste better. No, but we've been on the phone for quite a long time. Let's let somebody else through, okay? Okay, let's see. Here we go. Seven three two. The line is open for you. Seven three two. Hello. Hi. Anybody there? And in Lauren, the area, we got dropped. We'll see if we can get Rebecca to book you again. Yes, yes, I've already sent out it, Maybe it was one of those, of them in that room. Maybe it was an ambush. I don't know. So in the 260 area, the line's open if you would like to be the last uh, person to ask us a question tonight. Okay, let's see. And the I have opened the line for 111. Hello, Susan. Hi. Hello, Susan. Susan, I have a question regarding, um, okay, so it's, um, they did an ultrasound and they found a mass in the left breast. So the doctor is not sure. It, he says it could be. I just, a, I just need to stop you for one minute. An ultrasound or a mammogram? An ultrasound. Okay, and why was why was an ultrasound done on your breast? Uh, because I have uh, fibrocystic breasts, and uh-huh. and so um, they do a checkup every so often. So all these years, it was clear because you know there was initially there was a what I thought was a lump, but then it was kind of 
a, a big cyst, what they found. So they do a routine checkup. So during one of the routine checkups about um, a few months ago, they found a mass. And he wanted me to get it biopsied, but I wasn't, because it's not on the surface. You can't feel the lump on the surface. So he said it could be a fibroadenoma, but he's not sure. But the radiologist who read the ultrasound report says, you know, it has angular margins, and they did the Doppler, and there's no, there's no blood, like there's no vascular flow there. So um, he's like, well, we could, we could just watch it, and we could just do ultrasounds every six months or so, but the best thing would be to get it biopsied. The thing is, it's, it's quite so why, small. why is a radiologist reading a sonogram? Yeah, that's what they that's what they do. Okay, seems a little little odd to me, but um, I'm mm-hmm. glad that they're not subjecting you to mammograms. Well, um, that recommendation was to do a, a biopsy and a mammogram, but I refused the mammogram because mm-hmm. I'm I'm your follower, so I will not do a mammogram. So basically. What's important right now for you is mm-hmm. to make a decision as to where you would go if you had cancer. Mm. Well, I just don't want to get it biopsied and toggled. Then don't do it. I'm not doing it. So is there anything I could do to... The medical profession has got to be conservative. It is required of them that they be as conservative as possible and that they treat for the lowest common denominator. Mm -hmm. They are treating people who have the standard American diet. We know how much sugar that is. We know how sedentary that is. We know, you know, that it's standard American diet, S-A-D, sad. All right. Mm-hmm. If you're actually a healthy person who is eating a good diet, then the medical profession doesn't know how to treat you. Absolutely. So then you have to be responsible. And I find that that helps them if rather than my saying, I don't want what you're offering, if I say, I want to reassure you that I'm taking care of that. Mm-hmm. Because it's not a fight. It's not like I'm refusing. It, I'm actually choosing a different way. Yes. And it, I think that it helps them to understand that because they think you could have cancer. Well, you could. Anybody could have cancer. And they think that if you have cancer, you could die from it. And that's certainly true. Anybody who has cancer could die from it. And they think that if you had cancer, since you could die from it, that you are frightened enough right now Mm -hmm. to do anything to find out if that's true. Mm -hmm. But you're not frightened right now. No, not to the point, no. At this point, it doesn't feel to you like you have cancer. Now, again, I want to 
call to your attention that this is what they have been encouraging in you all these years, right? Mm-hmm. We want you to submit to tests so that we can scare you about cancer. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so now here it has come to pass. Yes. Well, so you no. might want to even ask yourself, why have I been getting all these tests? If I didn't want to know whether or not I had cancer. Well, my mother was diagnosed with it, right? So, and, and, and I'm not calling into question you're getting the test. I'm calling into question your decision not to have a biopsy. Yes. Because basically you've been saying all these years, maybe I have cancer, maybe I have cancer, my mother had cancer, maybe I have cancer, let's check to see if I have cancer. No, I've never said that. That's the thing. Then why are you going for these tests? Oh, because they said, well, now since I have... They said, so you take care of yourself according to what they tell you to do? It's your body. You're the one who's taking it there. You're the one who's chosen to have these tests on a yearly basis. Mm -hmm. And the only reason to have this test on a yearly basis is to see if you have cancer. That's the only value of these tests. Yeah. So you have been going year after year to see if you have cancer. Oh. Right? Well, I guess in a subliminal way, yeah. No, in a very obvious way. You have been taking yourself to have a test to see whether or not you have cancer. Oh, dear. So what could I do? I mean, like now that they've found it. Right. Well, tell me why you don't want a biopsy. There's two minutes until the show's left. Okay. Why is it that you do not want a biopsy? Did we get disconnected or are you there? We may have been disconnected. It's a very disconnecting night, isn't it? Uh, Seems to be. Seems Um, to be a lot of disconnect going on. Well, okay, well, we're just down to the last minute and a half, so let's you and I chat. I'm so excited about your new book. I can't wait. What a great stuff, uh, stocking stuffer. It's going to be such a wonderful book, and I have worked so hard on it, um, not just for these past two years, but for the 20 years previous as well. And, you know, Justine, I was thinking, you know, I told you that I'm finding it very hard to stop writing the book because every seems like every day, every week, more information comes in. And I was thinking maybe we want to set up some kind of uh, class at the Wise Woman's School, which would be an ongoing exploration of the topics of Abundantly Well, so that I could bring this new Sounds and great. confirming information to people, and perhaps, you know, we do a few videos, so um, I don't have it really worked out yet, but just a kind of vision 
of uh, abundantly well and how it continues on. Of course, you and I have made a, a wonderful companion video course, uh, which we did uh, last winter. Had a lot of fun doing that. And Justine and I are talking about uh, doing a video course in Costa Rica this winter. Uh, she says, why don't you come south instead of me coming north? And that sounds like a good idea. So perhaps our I'm video course so this winter will, will, will feature hummingbirds. Yes, and on that note, we should wish everybody green blessings. Green blessings and good night. Thank you, my wonderful daughter, for helping me to restore herbal medicine to its rightful place as people's medicine. Good night. Love you, Justine. Green blessings, everybody. I love you. Good night.